Welcome to the Grace Baptist Church podcast, and thanks for joining us for this episode. Before we begin, please take a moment to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you enjoy this content, please don't hesitate to leave us a five-star review and share this podcast with your friends. We'd like to extend an invitation to you and your family to join us for worship this week at Grace Baptist Church. We'd also love to connect with you online at gracekettering.org. Thanks again for joining us and enjoy the episode. And then verse 28, and we're going to read a passage of scripture here in a moment. Find that and let's stand together and just ask the Lord to guide us in this study this evening before we have prayer. And uh, it's good to be together. Wow, what, what wonderful weather that we've had today. Um, back and forth every other minute, uh, turning from rain and storms and tornado warnings and uh, thank the Lord for safety, and what a what a blessing! It's Cliff's birthday today. I hope that you'll wish him a happy birthday, and uh, thankful for sixty-seven. And what a blessing! All right. And it's cyclical. It's almost like there's weather patterns that go on in our in our world. It kind of goes on cycles, right? <laughs> Amen. All right. So happy birthday to Cliff, and uh, what a, a blessing. He was walking back from the restaurant, and I caught him in the rain, was uh, able to pick him up. He was going to have to uh, walk the rest of the way in the, in the rain. And uh, he said, I, I'm not supposed to let strangers pick me up. I said, what about when it's raining? <laughs> oh, well. So anyway, um, praise the Lord, and we appreciate the gift that Cliff is to our church family. Um, got to pray on today and spend some time with some of our legislature uh, up in uh, Ohio, uh, the, up in Columbus. And uh, you know, I was just touched and uh, see more and more how many pastors are in the legislature. In fact, our pro, our speaker pro tempore is a pastor, a just a godly, godly man. His name's Tim Ginter, and got to spend a little time with uh, with him today. Uh, my representative, Brian, um, Brian uh, Lampton. Uh, was who invited me up to, to pray today and, and got to spend some more time uh, as well, have lunch with, uh, with a man by the name of Gary Click, who's a pastor up in the north of Ohio, an independent Baptist pastor, and um, just uh, blessed to see that there is some light there inside of those chambers, and, uh, and we ought to pray for them. So I, I do encourage you to know who your representative is and pray for them. Um, because uh, that's needed, and they need to hear your voice. And uh, several of them said, just thank you for being around. Thank you for being around. So anyway, that was a, it was a blessing on today. And then got to spend a little bit of time with uh, the church planner over in uh, Hilliard, Ohio, and that's Liberty Baptist Church over there, and uh, Pastor John Connor. And uh, really need to just pray for him, and we will, but uh, want to see a, a group of people be able to go over there and pass out flyers here very soon. Let's uh, go to the Lord here in uh, Luke chapter number 9 and verse number 28. And it came to pass about an eight days after these sayings, he, Jesus, took Peter and John and James and went up into a mountain to pray. And as he prayed, the fashion of his countenance was altered and his raiment was white and glistening. Another one of the Gospels uh, talks about it flashing. It was, it was a very bright moment. And verse number 30, and behold, there talked with him two men, which were Moses and Elias, or Elijah, who uh, appeared in glory and spake of his decease, which he, uh, he should accomplish at Jerusalem. They're going to talk about the cross. 
But Peter and they that were with him were heavy with sleep, and when they were awake, they saw his glory and the two men that stood with him. And it came to pass as he departed from, uh, as they departed from him, Peter said unto Jesus, Master, it is good for us to be here. And let us make three tabernacles, one for thee, and one for Moses, and one for Elias, not knowing what he said. While he thus spake, there came a cloud and overshadowed them, and they feared as they entered into the cloud. And there came out a voice, or a voice out of the cloud, saying, This is my beloved Son. Let's say those two words together Hear him. And when the voice was passed, Jesus was found alone, and they kept it close and told no man in those days any of those things which they had seen. Let's be seated and let's pray. Father, thank you for this opportunity to gather. Tonight we are certainly grateful that you have protected through storms and that you've given us such a beautiful day. And uh, more than that, Lord, we, we thank you for being our God today. We thank you for giving us life and breath. We thank you for another um, birthday for our brother Cliff and just giving another year of life. And uh, Lord, we are also thankful uh, that we get to gather together as your body in this place and to share one another's burdens, to pray with one another, and to look at your word. And so we ask that you would make this time profitable, that you would edify your body, that you would grow us and strengthen us with might in the inner man. You know the needs that are represented here tonight. We do not. But you do, and so we commit those to you and ask you to strengthen us, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. So if you look back here at this passage of Scripture, again, we're inside of a series, Loosely Connected, Talk Less, Pray More, and right now we're working through the Gospel of Luke as our timeline, where we're looking at the different prayers of the Lord Jesus Christ and uh, the different occasions. Not everyone, it's not exhaustive, but looking at the different occasions of the Lord Jesus Christ and when he prayed and trying to gain understanding and really just allow him to be our pattern. Don't we understand that the, the Lord Jesus Christ is our model? He is our pattern. We should mimic him. And though Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ, uh, it is important for each one of us to mimic the Lord Jesus Christ. And so he has just finished up, about a week ago, he's just finished up this conversation that also came out of prayer when he asked his disciples, whom do men say that I am? Well, some say you're John the Baptist, some say you're Elias, some say you're Jeremiah, some say you're a good teacher, and so on. But whom say ye that I am? Peter say, um, speaks up and says, thou art the Christ, the Son of of the living God. And, and he was commended by Jesus because uh, uh, Peter had received this not from uh, the word on the streets or out in culture. He had received this as a divine revelation. He had, he had understood this spiritual reality about Jesus Christ and who he was as very God. By the way, Christianity is different from every other religion in the world because of its belief about the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ. And when we say deity, we're talking about we believe that he is eternal God. He did not become God at his baptism. He did, not, uh, uh, he, he did not become God at some point while he was on earth. He has always been God. He, is, he, he has no beginning and he has no end. He is eternal God. Do you believe that tonight? So that divides us from every other religion. People say all, uh, all the time, well, it's so hard to figure out about other, other religions and what they believe and how to, how to break them all down. You go to what they believe about Jesus, and that is the dividing line. 
It is that simple. Satan wants to keep it complex. You go to what they believe about Jesus and you work there. You deal with the, the subject there. And by the way, when you're witnessing to people, uh, that's one of the things that you need to deal with. That is the thing you need to deal with is getting, uh, getting to the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ and allowing the Holy Spirit to convince of who Jesus, uh, Jesus really is. So Peter's declared this. This is a spiritual reality that God himself made real to Peter. And, and Jesus announced that flesh and blood didn't show this to you, but my Father which is in heaven. Now Jesus goes on to begin to share his death. I'm going to Jerusalem to die. Uh, and Peter says, no, you shouldn't do that. Don't go to Jerusalem. He says, get thee behind me, Satan. Why? Because he was standing in the way of the progress of God's eternal plan to redeem man back to himself. And he says, the way that the church is going to be birthed and the way that the church is going to be built is through my death. And by the way, disciples, you're going to experience the promise, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it as you deny yourself daily, take up your cross and follow me. A disciple that does not deny himself daily, take up his cross and follow Christ never gets to experience the glorious promise, I will build my church. They, they miss out on so very much. Uh, whenever we're stiff-arming God and saying, I want my way, my ambitions, my dreams, uh, just, just mark it down. You're missing out on a, a line share of what Christ has planned for you in the Christian life. And so all these things have been said in the verses previous, and so we come to verse number 28, and, at, and it came to pass about eight days after. So, so this is what this is following up on. Now, I want you to notice verse number 27 as a matter of introduction. But I tell you a truth. There be some standing here which shall not taste death till they see the kingdom of God. And so he made a promise. He made a declaration. There's some standing here right now that are going to experience something. They're going to, they're going to realize something. They're going to see the kingdom of God in all of its glory before they die. Now, as we step into verse number 28, it's about eight days later. The other, um, the other uh, gospels deal with the time frame a little bit differently. It seems like uh, they talk about six days. Perhaps they spent two days in prayer on the mountain uh, that, that Luke is talking about here. Uh, there was much prayer here. So notice it says there, uh, he took Peter and John and James and went up into a mountain to do what to pray that was his purpose it does not say that he went up into the mountain to be transfigured it says he went up into the mountain to pray that was his purpose and as we continue to think about talking less praying more and just seeking the lord in prayer we just need to continually remind ourselves our lord modeled this for us he is taking his disciples after a a key moment I mean, it was a victory breakthrough in the lives of his disciples to see him as Jesus, the Christ, the Son of the living God. When they announced him as Savior, the promised one, and the Son of God, equal with God, that was a breakthrough moment. Yet now, eight days later, he's taking them up and continuing forward in prayer with his inner circle. And so I want you to notice this prayerful excursion that goes on here. And I want us to notice how that it followed that spiritual awakening. And just because we have a spiritual breakthrough happening in our lives does not mean that we should stop praying. Uh, Jesus did not stop praying and seeking the will of the Father and seeking time with his Father and leading his disciples and modeling that in front of them after spiritual victories. No, he kept on praying. And could I just encourage you in this way? After victory, pray. 
after victory, maybe it's all the more important because after victory, Satan, my, Satan just gets in there and he's about ready to pounce on you and deal with you in a pretty strong way. After victory, learn to pray just like our Savior did. So this prayer, this giving himself to prayer happened after a spiritual awakening that he led in the lives of his disciples. I want us to notice that there was also this matter of prayer and, and what was going on there was a spiritual alteration. Look at verse number 29. And as he prayed, the fashion of his countenance was what? Altered. Altered. The word just means become different. Now, it's interesting, compared to the other Gospels, Luke uses this word altered or, or changed as opposed to what is used in the other Gospels, Matthew in specific, which is the word transfigured, which is the idea of metamorphosis to be changing from the inside out. But Luke, writing his gospel, the particular audience that he was writing to was the Greeks, and just understand, they would have taken that word in a little bit different way. They'd hear that used even in their, their pagan uh, literature, and, and, and sometimes relating to God's changing, uh, changing and going through a transfiguring. So rather than linking that with our Lord Jesus, he uses this word change. The Bible makes no mistakes. Remember, um, Matthew, Mark, and Luke are synoptics. They're looking at it from different viewpoints, and they also have different purposes in their, in their books and also different audiences. So here this word change. But nonetheless, we still are finding that Jesus is, is changing from the inside out. There was a meeting with God here as he prayed as the fashion of his countenance was altered. It was changed. Matthew 17, verse 2, and was transfigured before him, and his face did shine as a sun, and his raiment was white as light. And so that word transfigured, changing from the inside out. Now, I want us just to realize, you and I uh, may not have that same experience as Jesus Christ. And, and to be honest with you, I'll, I'll, be, I'll be very honest with you, this passage is quite a mystery. And so I'm, I, I have so much more that the Lord needs to open up inside of this passage. The, the transfiguration uh, is just a, it's an, it's an amazing thing. But I do know this, Jesus went up into a mountain to pray and spend time with his heavenly father. He calls us to do the same. And in that moment, he was changed. And he was glorified in that moment. And I, I do realize this, just to apply it into our lives and to to, um, to say, so what can I get out of this? You know, real close communion, as one author said, with God ever imparts to the countenance of one who has thus entered into communion with the high and holy one a new and strange beauty. A new and strange beauty. There's, some, there's something about the countenance of a person who spent time with God. There's a calmness. There's a joy. There's a poise. A settledness. You look at an old saint who's spent much time with God and knows what it means to get a hold of God. There's something different about them. And I realize this happened on the mountain with our, our Lord Jesus as he spent time with the Father. I can think back into the Old Testament when Moses was on the mount and spending time with God. What happened to his countenance? It shined. Uh, what happened about Stephen? Uh, the Bible says that his face shined, his face shone, and it, it, it caused his uh, attackers and his enemies to be all the more at, um, uh, angry toward him. It is in the secret place of prayer in communion with God our Father, we are still changed from the inside out. And that's what I want us to catch tonight from the life of Jesus. You and I still can be changed and transformed from the inside out as we spend time with our Father. 
That is something that we can uh, grab onto. That's something that we can have. I can't be Jesus in that sense. I can be changed more and more into his likeness. I can be transformed, transfigured from the inside out. And so it's amazing as this moment's happening there, Jesus again is modeling so much for us. Spend time with God over and over as he was praying, as he was praying. Let's follow suit. Let's follow suit. And we'll apply that a little bit later as we go along. But I want us to also notice what what was some of the meaning of this transfiguration? What, was the, what, was this, what did God intend for the disciples who were there, Peter, James, and John, to really take away from this moment? Not only that it's important to spend time with the Father, what else? I want us to see that there was a supernatural authentication. And notice here in verse number 30, And behold, there talked with him two men, Moses and Elias, and, uh, and who appeared in glory, and spake of his decease, which he should accomplish at Jerusalem. I want us to realize that Moses was the one who God chose to receive the law. He went up on Mount Sinai, he received the law, and he was to declare that to the people. By the way, Moses, where's Moses buried? We don't know. God hid his body. God took him wasn't quite the same as Elijah. It was translated, right? But God did not allow people to know where his body was. Jude 9 refers to the body of, of Moses, and even Satan wanting the body of Moses. Isn't that interesting? But both of these men that appeared in the mountain that day were men whose bodies were taken care of by God. And it's interesting that Moses was the one who represented receiving the law from God and delivering that to people. But you have Elijah, this, this, this God-touched prophet that God had used in such powerful ways. You know what's interesting to me? That this is a moment where Jesus was authenticated as the Son of God in the fulfillment of not just the law, but also the prophets. And a little bit ago, when they were back at Caesarea Philippi, and he had asked about, who do men say that I am? Well, you're the Christ, the Son of the living God. God, in this moment, before the eyes of Peter, James, and John, authenticates, authenticates, this is him. And he even comes in a cloud and says, this is him. You need to hear him. We'll get to that in a moment. But he authenticates him. But I find it interesting. Matthew 5, 17 says, Think not that I am come to destroy the law and the prophets. I am come not to destroy, but to fulfill. But to fulfill. And there in that moment, what is the topic of conversation? The cross. Redemption. And everything that God had foretold through the law, and everything that God was laying down in the groundwork of the law and throughout the prophets, now is being seen before the very eyes of Peter, James, and John as being fulfilled in Jesus Christ. And by the way, who leaves and who stays? Of those three, who leaves and who stays? Okay? Moses and Elijah leave, and Jesus stays. He's left there, and God had something to say about that. He came to fulfill all that was fulfilled in Jesus Christ. All Scripture points to the person and the work of Jesus Christ on our behalf. It says in Luke 9, 32 there, But Peter and they that were with him, the other disciples, were heavy with sleep, Sounds familiar. They were very human. And when they awoke, they saw his glory and the two men that stood with them. 
God authenticated what Peter had declared beyond the shadow of a doubt. God had um, just showed Peter and those disciples, this is my son. You see it now, and you see him in all of his glory. You see this heavenly uh, foreshadowing of what he would be, uh, what he'd be one day or in in the future. You see it. You see him in all of his glory right now. And you know what's amazing about that? This is, this is an experience that these disciples needed as they would, they would lead the church in the days ahead. They would have unwavering faith and confidence in who Jesus Christ was. But again, can we just step back a second? Where did this all flow out of? As he prayed. As he prayed. Listen, spiritual transformation in our lives, uh, coming to understanding about spiritual realities, happens as we seek the Lord as we pray and as we seek him in his word. And so John 1.14, John says it this way as he writes his gospel down later on. So this is in, in, in looking back as he writes his gospel down, what does he say? And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And then in parentheses he says, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, in parentheses, full of grace and truth. So he declares a fact. Jesus Christ, God, came in the flesh. And by the way, we saw it. We saw his glory, and I know beyond the shadow of a doubt, this is very God. I know that. Friends, we have to bring that same message to the world. And by the way, sometimes we can think, well, I don't know. Do we have have that type of understanding? We'll get to that in a moment. Uh, Peter has another testimony later on in his epistle about this. But the fact of the matter is, it is in the quiet place of prayer that spiritual realities are authenticated in our hearts. It is in the quiet place of prayer that spiritual truths, spiritual realities, are authenticated, are are confirmed in our hearts. When God takes his truth and says, yes, that is my truth for you, you can bank on it, you can have confidence in it, and it's in the quiet place of prayer that God does that work in our heart. That's why we need to go to that place of prayer. And allow God to do that in our lives. I think of Joshua as he knew that God was going to give them the promised land. It was in the quiet moments when Joshua rose up early that he, he found confidence in what God would do even at Jericho. I think, I was thinking this morning about this. Uh, they walked around Jericho seven, uh, one time uh, over seven days. And on the seventh day, they walked around it seven days. And how ludicrous that, that war strategy was. And yet it was in the quiet time when God had the attention of Joshua, that he was able to say, hey, listen, this is the way I'm going to do it. I am going to give you the victory. And it's in the quiet moments with our, with our Father that spiritual reality, spiritual truth is authenticated in our hearts. I think of Elisha and his servant, 2 Kings 6 and verse number 15. And when the servant of the man of God was risen early and gone forth, behold, a host compassed the city with horses and with chariots, and his servants said unto him, Alas, my master, how shall we do? What, what, what are we going to do? Verse 16, And he answered, And fear not, for they that be with us are more than they that be with them. Now that's a spiritual reality right there. They that are with us are more than they that are with them. By the way, do you believe that there are more on God's side in our nation than there are enemies of God? I happen to. They're all over. And by the way, 
let's not look just humanly because he was about ready to give a reality. We're on God's side, and with God we are a what? A minority or majority? Yeah. So let's go on, because somewhat, I saw some heads shaking, somewhat, you're right, but let's get the, the rest of the picture here. I, I might have jumped myself a little bit early. And so he says in verse number 16, Fear not, for they that be with uh, us are more than they that be with them. And Elisha prayed. Elisha prayed. You are discouraged by what's going on in, around us? And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elisha. And what did God, God show to, to that servant that day? There are more that are with us and on our side than there are with them. Remember, we don't battle against flesh and blood, and we battle against principalities and powers, but friends, God's host is innumerable. And yes, on his side, and if we're on the side of truth, uh, there are many more with us than there are with them. And so a spiritual reality was uh, revealed and authenticated in the Eli uh, Elisha's servant's life as they prayed, as they prayed. Now, what did God do with all this? So you have, you have Jesus being glorified. He's, being changed, uh, he's changed from the inside out. The brightness of his glory is just beaming as he has spent time with the Father. His disciples have seen this. And... Uh, Moses and Moses and Elijah have gone back. I want you to think about this in verse number 33. What did God have to say about this? Notice a powerful exhortation here. Um, this was a real emotional experience. This is an emotional high. I bet you I would have liked to have seen this. Would you have? I mean, it was pretty good. In fact, it says here, and it came to pass as they departed from him, Peter said unto Jesus, Master, it is good for us to be here. It's good. I don't want to leave. I don't want to leave. Uh, the idea of, Lord, it's, it's, it's excellent for us to be here. Like, this is, this is really great. This is, you know, you've heard this. This is really living. This is really great for us to be here. And so uh, it was an emotional experience. It was a mountaintop moment. Peter was calling for celebration. In fact, he calls for the tabernacles. I want a tabernacle built for you and uh, for Moses and uh, Elijah. Uh, Elijah. I, I want this, this, these tabernacles built. You know what's interesting? Um, he says here, look at verse number 33, uh, let us and the other ones, uh, he, he talks about uh, uh, that it'd be someone else that would build it. It seems like um, Peter was trying to kind of lead the way here. Let, uh, let us do this. I'll, 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 I'll take care of uh, being the foreman on this job, and, and we're going to build these tabernacles because we want to stay here. Now, what's this all about? Peter may have been thinking about the Feast, uh, feast of Booths, a feast of ingathering, long associated with the coming kingdom. You can read a little bit more about that in Zechariah 14, 16. But the fact is, it wasn't time for the kingdom the disciples kept on going there in their minds, but it wasn't time for the kingdom. And so God the Father shows up to this very emotional experience, uh, and he deals with it. Now, I want us to think about this. Peter said what he said without thinking or consideration because it says he knew not, he knew not what he said. Uh, he hadn't thought through this. 
he hadn't he hadn't gotten this as a spiritual reality from God. He hadn't this didn't this statement did not come from God. This was a very fleshly statement. He he did not know what he said. Um, Peter based this on an emotional high. You know, emotional emotions are real when God is authenticating spiritual truth. When God is doing a work, emotions are real. And we can't just toss those to the side. Emotions are real. Some people, you know, like uh, Christians should not be emo- uh, have any emotion and just, you know, everything's, everything's just factual. And No, emotions have their place. But we can't be led by emotion. There is a big difference there. We can't be led by emotion. We must be led of truth. And so what is the truth that God is going to show Peter and give to Peter that was very important? I want you to notice there was an everlasting exhortation. By everlasting, I mean it still applies for us today. And notice in verse number 34, while he thus spake, there came this cloud. Out of the cloud there came out the voice and it said, this is my beloved son. Say that with me. Hear him. One more time. Hear him. There's an everlasting exhortation from God the Father to all of us still today. Hear him. Say that with me. Hear him. We still are responsible to heed and to listen, to hear, to pay close attention to him, and to usually uh, to respond uh, to him in such a way that we conform our lives to him. This is something that Peter and every other believer was to do on a constant basis, over and over, every single day, every moment of the day, be listening for the voice of God. God had exalted his word over his name. It says that in the book of Psalms 138 and verse number 2, that his, name is exalt, uh, his word is exalted above his name. That's a very powerful thing. And I just want us to realize that God wants us not to be feeling-driven, but, but fact-driven. I want to say something, I've showed this to some of you, uh, this would be really helpful for you to keep in mind uh, as, you, as you go along. I just shared uh, this with somebody right before the service here today because our feelings get all over the board. And God gave us feelings, didn't he? he re- well, didn't he? Now, some, guy, uh, some people are born off-feeling. Like, they just don't, you know, they don't seem to have any emotion, right? Right, you cut them, they're just, there's, no, there's no emotion. Well, they still have some feeling. But here's, here's the thing that I want you to see. Um, in life, we have a choice every single day whether to be led of our feelings, allow the engine to be our feelings. They, faith, what's another word for faith? Believe, another one. Trust, trust our feelings. And uh, by the way, when you trust your feelings, you will not be on a straight track. You'll derail. You'll get off track every single time because your feelings come from your heart which is desperately wicked and is all over the board, right? So you'll get off track. But you know when we're operating that way, oftentimes truth or fact becomes subjective to our feelings. And so truth just kind of hangs out back there being drug around, and we, in, in fact, begin to reassess or redefine truth and fact because we're being driven or led of our feelings. And here's what needs to happen. We have to switch that. We have to switch the caboose with the, with the, train, uh, with the engine. We have to constantly make, uh, make sure that we're putting fact as our engine every single day. Why is it important to start your day with God? Get fact in the right place. Do you always wake up feeling saved? Feeling victorious? Yeah. 
I'm a child of the king. No, many times we have to just get oriented into our day and get our, our minds set on God, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted in the heathen. But the news, I will be exalted in the heathen. But this, I'll be exalted in the heathen. You didn't hear what they did. I'll be exalted among the heathen. We get back to, we get back to that, and we, we put fact as our leader. We place trust in the fact, and you know what happens? The feeling comes along. Maybe not immediately, but the feeling comes along. And friends, what was happening in Peter's life was, wow, this is just a great moment. we got to stay here. And, and not even realizing that would have circumvented God's plan, his eternal plan to rescue you and me by him going to Jerusalem and dying on a cross for our sins. And so it's so important that we get that right. Jesus was left alone there, as I said a moment ago. The word and just the priority of the word, Jesus Christ being the incarnate word. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. So he's left there, and what does God say to Peter? Hey, Peter, listen, this is my beloved son. Hear him. Follow him. Exalt him. Allow him to guide you. And Christ's word had, uh, uh, and the promise is his word had been fulfilled. What he said in, in verse number 27, just ahead of this, they had seen his glory, they'd seen it on the, the foreshadowing of, of the kingdom and what he would be like at that, at that point. They'd seen his glory. Christ's word did come true. And now Peter was being told of God, make sure you listen to him. Don't get caught up in the emotional experience. Don't get caught up in the mountaintop experience. Stay with the word. And by the way, if, you, if your Christian life only exists by and is propped up by mountaintop experiences, you'll be up and down, up and down, up and down. If you allow the word to be the dominant leader in your life, it, it, it is the, the, main, the, the main director of your life, what is leading you in your life, friends, you'll be stable. You'll be stable. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Right? When his words are in our, in our heart, none of his steps shall, what? Slide. That gives us stability. That gives us confidence. And I want us to turn over to 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse number 16. And let's, let's see what Peter took away from this time. Uh, Peter took this exhortation. Peter, Peter, boy, he was excited about uh, seeing the majesty and the glory of, of Jesus on the mountain that day. But he took away a, a, uh, this exhortation and really applied it into his life, 2 Peter, 3, uh, 2 Peter 1 and verse number 16. Are you there? Not yet? We're coming along. 2 Peter 1 and verse number 16. I want you to see this in your Bible so you can go back and meditate on it. 2 Peter 1 and verse number 16. For we have not followed cunningly devised fables. When we made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. But we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. Where did that happen? Mount of Transfiguration. For he received from God the Father honor and glory when there came such a voice to him from the excellent glory, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased, and this voice which came from heaven we heard when we uh, were with him in the holy mount. Okay, so Peter is recounting this scenario to 
for us today, God intends for us to have this. He's recounting, boy, this was pretty awesome. We saw his majesty. We saw his glory. But what does Peter go on to say? What does Peter say to us? For us today, verse 19, say, uh, say that first sentence with me. We have also a more sure word of prophecy. One more time. Are you there? Are you all with me? Say it out loud with me. We have also a more sure word of prophecy. What is that? What is that? It's the Bible. People get locked in. Well, if I could have just been on the mountain with him. You have all you need. He's the one that says that to you. And as we spend time with God in prayer, and we can have the same changing from the inside out. In fact, the Bible talks to us about that, and we'll see that in a moment. We can have the same changing from the inside out. So we're transformed through prayer. That transforming power is available to us today. We have a more sure word of prophecy. Whereunto ye do well that ye take heed as unto a light that shineth in a dark place until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts. And so what's being said here? Christ, the living word, is greater than any experience. Christ, the living word, is greater than any experience that you can have. Any emotional high that you can have. Any feeling that you can get. By the way, many churches today are based solely on creating emotional highs. And if you don't believe that, get into the science behind what's going on with music in church today. Creating an emotional experience with lights, music, driven beats, and all the, all the light. Creating an emotional experience that intoxicates people and draws them back, making them want more. But it isn't necessarily the word. And it's a huge thing that we have to be aware of today. So Christ, the word, the, uh, the, the living word, uh, exposed and the Holy Spirit being allowed to open it up plainly before our eyes, that is greater than any experience that one can have. God is still commanding and giving us this binding order to us today. Hear him. Hear him. By the way, it's interesting, as we get further down the way in the contemporary church, and by that I mean the church, that's a mindset, that's a philosophy, that is a seeker-sensitive mindset that is, is seen in many places, what gets demoted and what gets promoted. What gets demoted is the word of God and what gets promoted is, the, is what we call worship. By the way, if you go to many websites, the first thing you're going to see about that church is the singing group, not the preaching. Just survey the websites. We had great worship today. It's somebody strumming a guitar, and, and putting a, a mic in their face with light show. And what gets promoted is this experience and this emotionalism. It is not the word of God. If I lost you here tonight, this is reality. And friends, we are living in a generation that is hungering. It, it, it is a famine for the word of God. It's a famine because they're not getting it in our, in our culture. They know about the Bible. They, they, they might even have many Bibles. They might have it on their phone, but there's a famine for the word of God. Christ is the most important thing, and God the Father is still saying to our generation and to this group of believers, hear him, prioritize his word, prioritize him as a living word in your life. So it's in the context of prayer that God reminded Peter, James, and John of the absolute necessity of the word in our lives, which can and does and will transform us. 
Matthew 4 and verse number 4, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Mark this verse down, Ephesians 5, 26, speaking to the church and how he was going to sanctify it and set it apart, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with a washing of the water by the word. By the word. What do we need more than anything else? We need the word. What does the church need in order to function? Programs? Buildings? I remember my friend Mark Monty, uh, he was, uh, in, he's in Avon, Indiana. His church now located in Danville, uh, Indiana, just outside of, uh, west, of um, west of Indianapolis. And he's been there for many years and um, really just a remarkable story of a, a church that's been revived. When he took it, it was under the auspices of the FBI because of some of the corruption that had happened in that, in that, uh, that church. So God has just remarkably uh, blessed the church. They have um, they've, they've built a new, uh, a new building, and they've filled that building, and God is, is, is really uh, just doing a remarkable thing. But I remember when they were at their old building, they were, they were jammed in there, and it was a really awkward building. You came in, the, the entrance to the auditorium was, um, the main entrance to the auditorium was that door. It was just kind of an awkward, uh, awkward entrance. It was just, it was, the building wasn't laid out r- real well, and so uh, you can just imagine being in the middle of a service, and that, that's, that's the entrance, in and out, right, right there in the eyesight of everyone. And so uh, I, I, I asked him, I said, boy, I bet you're really looking forward to, you know, they were getting ready for a building program, and he says, you know what, Josiah? He says, I would have church under a tent. I don't need a building. And it always just kind of struck me. That was his, he it was take her to leave it with a, with a bill. I'll have church under a tent. And you know, he had has, he has something right. And the fact is, we don't need all the stuff. God gives it to us, and that's, that's quite a thing to say after um, when we talk Sunday. But nonetheless, we should, we should use it to God's glory. But the, the most essential thing that this church needs, that you and I need, that every believer who is not here needs, is the word of God is the word of God. Hear him. Hear him. There is no life change without it. There is no life change without it. And there's no life change in your life when, when, we're, when we're skipping it. Listen, you will not be spiritually strong if you're getting up and rushing out and not giving any time to God. Hear him. There's going to be no transformation. There's going to be no spiritual growth without prayer and the word of God. You say this is, we hear this over and over and over again. God's word is the one that said it. It was God the Father who told us to hear him. Hear him. Take heed. Conform your life to him. And so how important it is for us to hear this tonight and just allow our lives to be transformed. God, I need to give dedicated time to your word. I want to hear you. I don't want to just read over it to check it off a list. I want you to speak to me. Give me something that is divine every single day. Give me something that, that, that changes me from the inside out, so that when I go to work or that when I'm around my family, it is affecting even my very countenance. I think we can pray that. I think that would honor God. And it's in the context of prayer that this great work was done in the lives of his disciples. As he prayed. As he prayed. And what a wonderful, wonderful model our Savior is. Let's pray and ask him to help us with this very same thing. Father, so grateful that you took your disciples up on that mountain, authenticated who you were to them, but then reminded them 
Lord, that it wasn't about an experience. It's about the Word, Jesus Christ in the flesh. Thank you for giving us your Word. Thank you that we have it tonight, that we literally get to read Christ. We hold, we hold the living Christ in our hands. We get to understand who he is by this, this specific revelation. Lord, help us to value it. Help us not to take it for granted. And I pray that you would change us from the inside out. There's areas of my life, our lives together, that need to be changed. And I pray that you, by your word, would do that. We need you, and we thank you that you're a God that is close and not afar off, that you long to work in the lives of your children who let you. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. With your heads bowed, take a moment there. Perhaps there's a specific area that you need to allow the word to be applied to in your life and transform and change. Perhaps you've been stuck on emotionalism, and you realize, I need to give time to the word of God. I need to hear the voice of the Father which says, hear him. Lord, I'm sorry for not hearing you and giving attention to you. I've been chasing an experience. Lord, I'm going to start pursuing you. Dear Jesus, would you help us to be closer to you 24 hours from now as a result of having heard your word tonight. Pray that you'd strengthen us in yourself. Be with those that are not able to be with us, those that are sick, and those that are, that are struggling. Lord, I pray that you would encourage them and strengthen them in you. Draw us all back together on Sunday. May we honor you in all that we do. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to take time for prayer tonight, but before we do, I need to just say a couple of things. Um, I'm going to have the, uh, we're going to do the same type of prayer just where we, where we pray as the Lord leads, but I'm going to have the ladies, all the ladies, Miss Kristen's going to meet with all the ladies over here and need all the guys to come to this side in just a, in a moment. And so, yeah, that's just how we're going to, we just love shifting this up on, on hey, uh, we don't want you to get a rut here. We don't want you to, you know, want to carve out your seat. So some days it's come down here, but tonight that's how we're going to do it. And uh, so anyway, uh, she's going to share uh, a, a particular need that I want you ladies to hear, and uh, I want you to be a, a part of praying, um, praying for a particular need in our church. And so she's going to meet with you. I'll meet over here. And then I'd just like to also ask, um, on, uh, on uh, Saturday, my wife and I are heading to Texas. I have a meeting. I'm going to share with you on, Lord willing, on April the 3rd, a little bit about what the Lord's enabled me to do here in this, on the state of Ohio and just working with some other pastors and working with Faith Winds. I'm going to be um, at a meeting on Monday and Tuesday uh, next, next week uh, down in Texas with a, a, a large group of pastors. And so my wife's going to go down there with me, and then we're going to take some time around that meeting to, um, to spend some time with each other and uh, get some rest and just get some time to, on together. So I will miss you on Sunday. Everything's lined up. We're going to have a fantastic time here. 
and, uh, and I, I know that the Lord's going to work. And then we'll, I'll be back for April, April the 3rd and, and all that God's going to do on that day and looking forward to that, all this the Lord willing, okay? But you be in your place, and I am praying for you, and I, 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 I don't like traveling. I really don't at all, but uh, I also know that I need to get away sometimes. And so I wanted to share that with you. Would you pray for us? I'll be praying for you. And uh, let's go ahead and divide apart here tonight. So ladies all over on this side, guys come all over here. And guys, we're going to just pray together.